Ready to skip the wine and just have the banana split. I'm Jasmine. And engorged with whispered prayers, I'm Mel's. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week, we're covering season two, episode 19, sometimes known as Variations on Relations, or as we're calling it, Truth and Beauty. Listeners, you are all such rare and precious individuals, gods and goddesses among us, and we hope you know your true value. Now let's rock. This episode first aired on April 11th, 1991. It was written by Mark Frost and Harley Payton and directed by Jonathan Sanger. Now, before we dive in, I have to say this. Harley Payton, I've only ever heard of from Twin Peaks. Like, that's... I am watching the new Chucky series on sci-fi. Yes. It's actually pretty good. I'm going to be honest with you. But uh, Harley Payton is an executive producer on that show as well. So when I saw him, yeah, when I saw his name pop up, I was like, what is this can't be the same one? Because I was like, Twin Peaks and Chucky, but it is. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. World's so, colliding for you. I, all the time, all the time. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know him from anything else except for this, but his name uh, certainly keeps popping up from week yeah. to week lately. Like, I feel like we've said his name. I keep checking the document every time I put it in because I'm like, are we sure it's Harley Payton again? Like, I feel I like we've heard yeah. him a lot lately, but. Yeah, well, on his like IMDb or whatever page it is I looked at, like it did say he is most known for a majority of season two of Twin Peaks. And I was yeah. like, this is a fact because I feel like we say his name every other week. So I wonder if people blame him. I wonder if he gets a lot of hate. Well, he's getting some good marks for the Chucky show, so we'll just let him. <laughs> we'll let him make it up that way. <laughs> Fine. I mean, as well, we've said before, season two really isn't as bad as we, you know, remembered it being, so. Exactly, exactly. Can you even believe that we're on episode 19, though? Like, no. There are three episodes left after we cover <sighs> this one. I know. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm not feeling that great about this. <laughs> um, In what way? A, because season two will be over. I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to really let go of this season. Yeah. B, I do remember the things that are really coming in the end. It's fantastic. I love it. But it also, some parts do make me really sad. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm just not ready to see, like, certain what happens with certain characters and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, it's like a bittersweet, you know, like I'm excited to see it. I I also sad to see it. And I'm also just not ready to stop with season two. And I get like, yeah, I, (sighs) because also finishing season two means that we're starting the return, which is great. But then also by starting the return, that means that we'll be finished it a lot sooner. Like the closer we get to the return, the closer we get to being done with the return. (laughs) I know what I hate it. (laughs) And how that shit works. But yeah. Yes. 
But yeah, okay, so knowing that, knowing that we were on like episode 19, there's only a few episodes left, it kind of gave me this like sense of urgency before I put the ep- like before I put the DVD in and hit play and everything. And on first watch, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, it's funny to watch Dick dip his nose in a glass of wine, but like, can we move on? I want to get back to the Wyndham stuff. I don't care about Lana. Like, oh my God. But then on my second watch, I was kind of like, yeah, but we're just enjoying the ambiance of Twin Peaks and we're not going to get to do that a lot for a little while, like without saying too, too much. But yeah, I just want to soak it all in. So I was trying to look at it through that lens on the second watch. And but the thing is, though, like there's definitely there's definitely some moments that I could do without in this episode, but there's a lot to love. I mean, specifically for somebody like me too, like the owl cave map and that box that Thomas Eckert leaves Catherine. I mean, there's just astrological glyphs all over it. And I was just like, swing, 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 swing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you were like on swing, like overload. Yeah. And I knew this without even having to talk to you about it. As soon as I saw it again, I was like, literally in my notes, I put two sentences and I said, let Jasmine have the rest because (laughs) this is like, this is for you. I can't (laughs) wait to get to that box. That is, that's a weird little box, but yeah. 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 And I think it's also, it's really, really nice to finally learn Wyndham's ultimate sort of motivation for being in Twin Peaks. He is looking for the Black Lodge, right? And I mean, we might have been able to put two and two together on that before, but now we know for sure because we get that beautiful little story time. And yeah, I this was a really fun episode. Like I said, moments I could do without, but overall a great time. Yeah, I agree. Like I really enjoyed it. And those moments that we could have done without were few and far between enough for me that I was like, this is fine. I'll let it play out. It's just not going to sway me one way or the other this time, because I know that, you know, everything that's going to get discovered and be done in this episode. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to get to those parts. So I'll suffer through, you know, a couple of minutes of some wine tomfoolery to get there. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, exactly. All right. We ready for damn fine facts. Always. Okay. So the poem that Pete is trying to write as he's playing chess, this is actually a variation on relations, uh, on a poem called Trees that was written in 1913 by Joyce Kilmer. No relation to Val, as far as I could tell in my research. Um, but he's playing around with the first couple of lines from these uh, from this poem. The poem goes, I think that I shall never see a poem lovely as a tree. And I thought this was interesting because it's another poem about relationships with nature, just like the poem that Wyndham sent to, you know, the three ladies, right? His three queens. And it's also a poem where objects like trees, moonbeams, waves are doing things that you would normally associate to humans, like they're kissing or they're clasping. And I just kind of feel like there's there's always this kind of background sense of nature and the outdoorsiness of Twin Peaks. Like I said, it's just kind of always there in the background, but it really is starting to come full center stage in this episode. And just like, it's just such a perfect pick for the poem that Pete would be perfect pick for the poem that Pete would be playing around with. <laughs> wow. Say that five times fast. No, well, I tried also... once and I failed. And also the <laughs> fact that it's called trees. I mean, trees are kind of a big deal in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yes. And the fact that Josie turned basically into one. So Correct. there's that too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 
So I thought that, yeah, just all that coming into central focus, just a beautiful pick from the writers. Yeah. And this is not necessarily a fact. So maybe it's like a damn fine point of interest. I don't know. But I think I cut this from our episode when I'll get into it. But I think I cut this little beat from the episode because it felt a little spoilery. But we had mentioned that that map from Owl Cave was already on the chalkboard at a certain point. I think maybe it was back in episode 13. Mm-hmm. So I that just made me want to know more about, like, the shooting schedule. I mean, I know TV doesn't typically shoot in, like, a super linear fashion. Like, they, you know, an episode, you could shoot the last scene of an episode on the first day or something, right? But right. I just, I love the idea that there was a piece of, like, episode 19 in episode 13 because it kind of just feels like such a piece with time in Twin Peaks itself, like, is it future? Is it past? What like it just is so good. But again, not a fact. N- n- nothing yeah. in there is a fact. But <laughs> I love it though, nonetheless. Yeah. So well, that's it. That's damn fine facts and damn fine points of interest. All right, and I would just like to let everyone who is listening know that I did do a dress up for yes. this video. I w- I do want. I should have said this at the top, so I apologize. We are still kind of new at this, obviously. Uh, but we are, this is our video for the Patreon um, cast. So just letting you know that if you would like to go over to va- Patreon, um, sign up for that tier, you will get to see this. And I do have on um, a sort of pageantry, pageantry, you know, I'm not going with words. I think pageantry uh, is good. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. I'm in a, a pageantry atmosphere vibe right now. So, yes. um, and you look yeah, fabulous. I t- Oh, thank you. My goodness. A damn fine fact. And scene. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, all right. Well, let's dive right in. The crew figure out Wyndham's been at the Owl Glory Hole and Coop needs a rendering of the petroglyph and he needs to talk to Garland. Stat. Stat. I loved the opening line here. Nighttime or daytime, once you get a few feet into this place, you can't tell the difference. This was very unsettling. This was such a way to kick off an episode. I love that Andy said it. I mean, hello, Andy, bring in, bring in the heat, first line of the episode. But yeah, something really unsettling, the idea of like night and day collapsing into one another and not being able to discern the difference is a true mindfuck. Like, I mean, and it's very, again, reflective of time in Twin Peaks. Like, when is day? When is night? What's going on? And then you have that theme of, of course, light and dark, right? It's the same thing. Day, light, night, dark. But And then specifically, like, in this cave, darkness prevails, right? And that's a super ominous thing. Like, when your brain is going on that direction— that's a really ominous way to start the episode, specifically since we know Wyndham has been to the cabin. It was yeah. just, it was a great line. Love to hear Andy say something like this. Oh, me too. I'm so glad that he was, that it, yeah, he was given the opportunity to say this because yeah. it is very profound and I loved it. Um, I'm going to, so obviously I agree with everything you say, but I just have to tell you that this reminded me, and this is so ridiculous, but it reminded me of when Jack Skellington finds the holiday doors in the forest in Nightmare Before Christmas. The way that Cooper was looking at the drawings on the cave and then how it does like start with this story, which we'll get into obviously in the next part from Wyndham. It just felt so much like when he stumbled upon these doors and he's like, 
what's this? What's this? Like, I, yeah, I could just see that going through Cooper's mind, though, as he's looking at all the I different, you know, pictures and everything. And then obviously when the narrator in Nightmare Before Christmas starts talking, it really obviously made me think about what we fade into for the next scene. But yeah, I have in here just total Jack Skellington vibes <laughs> for this. So I love that. How appropriate. I mean, it'll be way past the time once this goes out, but it, it's not Halloween yet as we record this. So, I mean, I guess there's still That's Christmas, right. Nightmare Before Christmas, whatever. Listen, We're not Nightmare here to debate Christmas. what kind of movie it is. It is a fourth quarter movie, meaning you can start it on October 1st all the way through the 31st because Thanksgiving has a door in the That's forest. True. Okay. Yeah. So we'll like Thanksgiving. It's a fourth quarter movie. <laughs> it's a fourth quarter. That's what I always say when I'm like, okay, when I have to justify James watching it a million times, I'm like, this is a fourth quarter movie. It's okay. You're like, it's are all we, right. Yeah, it looks like we're in the fourth quarter, so we're good. Yeah, and I'm like, January 1st, first quarter, it's done. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's correct. As he studies the pictures, Wyndham tells Leo about the White Lodge and the Black Lodge. And I'm sorry, who the fuck is that? <laughs> that. Who the fuck is that? That was my Ace Ventura. Um, that was my Ace Ventura when he asks about the extra person in the uh, football picture you think in the I movie. I don't know that that's what you were doing. Oh my I, god! I'm explaining it to everybody else because not okay. everybody is like connected like we not are. Not everybody but... is hip to Ace Ventura. I get it. I'm telling you, as soon as it came on the screen, I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" <laughs> that's all I could think of. Do you know what he's credited as? Heavy metal youth. <laughs> I love it. Mm, I was calling I him Canadian was... rocker until I saw heavy metal youth. <laughs> There's something about the way he was like, um, uh, black lives, white lives, what it was matter. Like he just, I don't know, for some reason to me, he sounded like somebody from out east in Canada. But well, I find that hilarious because for me, it sounded like SoCal, okay, Valley. Yeah. But he's also into punk. So I was really confused by this guy. I was like, so so he surfs by day and at night. He's at the Sex Pistols or, you know, yeah, he's at there. Is the day and the night collapsing into each other? (laughs) We figured it out, folks. Once again. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We will see you. I don't know when because we figured it out. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. (laughs) Uh, I love this guy. He. He brings me so much joy. Like, he's so funny and so silly. And I, we talk all the time about the expert kind of tonal shifting that happens within Twin Peaks. But typically, it's from scene to scene. It's not within the same scene. But here we have Wyndham telling this super sinister, like, he's talking about the stuff in the White Lodge, like, it's saccharine nonsense and, like, it's a vile place. But he is so evil. And then we have this guy who's like, what about my beer, man? Like, where's the party? It's just, it's so good. And the camera work here is so good too. Like the way that we're kind of spying on this like story time as the camera pans across Wyndham's cabin. I just, it's such a, it's a great scene. Yeah. And I'm just like a Wyndham. Where did you get these schoolroom desks from? I mean, like, listen, is we're, he we're already, I don't, okay. There are a few facts that I need to find out here. First fact is, whose cabin is this? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, I I think he's squatting. I do not think it's his. Second no. thing I want to know is, I mean, we we 
obviously didn't really solve the mystery of where all the costumes and luggage and all of the things came from. I mean, I, I still stand firm that he's at the Party City in Tacoma or Spokane or wherever. But the third thing is the random shit that's in there is so nonsensical. Like this guy was sitting at a desk that I sat in like in elementary school. So I just was like, like, yeah, big flashbacks. (laughs) Where did this come from? No, and there's like a there's like a bucket from Home Depot that's been crushed. (laughs) So you can only kind of see the label. And I wonder if that was more like they didn't want to get dinged for like copyright or anything. So they mostly crushed (laughs) the Home Depot. Right, right. (laughs) But yeah, I as I was looking around, I was like, he is in the thick of some arts and crafts or he has become a, a hoarder, which it could be both. It could be, but we are talking, I mean, this is hilarious because we are talking about a criminal mastermind. So these were probably the living <laughs> yes. conditions of such a yes. person. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, and po- I mean, just poor Leo. I am just like, he, I mean, he deserves it all, but he is so getting it from like every angle. I love it though. He was enjoying story time the most. Uh, uh, he was. Mm-hmm. I'm t- Ponytail was at full attention, so... I also just love the description that he gives of both of the lodges. I mean, yeah, he's being a little bit funny about finding the White Lodge to be too saccharine. And like, I think he says, like, it's just like a vile place or whatever. But maybe I'll I'll put a link to the script. But just reading it back, it was really fascinating to see how they're both described. And I was kind of looking for clues for certain parts that maybe come later. But and they're not quite there. But it's just it's really beautiful descriptive imagery. I really liked it. Well, I loved listening to him tell a story. First of all, he has a very soothing voice. I, and I, I mean, I, I agree. I don't want to compare him to Ted Bundy, but I'm pretty sure that's probably how Ted Bundy lured a lot of helpless young women into his trap. But I mean, he's got a soothing voice and I can see where you would get wrapped up into him telling you these stories about magical places and existences. Uh, because, I mean, I was here for the way he was talking about it and everything. It was It was great. Yeah. We fade into Pete playing chess and lamenting about Josie. Catherine helps him snap out of it with some handiwork. Pete amuses her with a story about twins and monkeys. And I think Catherine is wondering, why am I surrounded by monkeys? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then she immediately government names him when she calls him Peter. Okay, so a few weeks ago, we asked listeners for a supercut of Albert for you. And I'm sure they're still working away. I get it. It takes a long time to put videos together. But once you guys are done with that, can you please send me a supercut of Catherine just being exasperated and over everybody's shit? Because I need that. I just need that to play for me when I am in the same mood and I can just like vibe with Catherine because that was fantastic. Peter. (laughs) She's a whole mood. And when I say that, I mean like, in that right, okay, in that exact moment, I felt everything that Catherine Martell was feeling. Mm-hmm. A James tells me a story and it goes on and on and it makes no sense. And I am just like, I cannot do this. Same with Scott. Anybody else? Yes. And I, so in that moment, I have never felt more seen <laughs> than when you just want to say, stop it and do what I'm asking you to do. Like, focus up, focus yes. up, come back to me. Yeah. Oh, but, um, but this is fun. I love so this. sweet. Oh, he really I love is. Him so yeah, much. he never means any harm, like ever. 
The mystery of this box is really fun, though. I mean, I know we're going to get more from it later, but just Pete saying, like, it could take years to open, and then we get that musical sting. So good. It was so good. It should have just almost been dun, 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 you know? (laughs) Bobby and Shelly answer life's tough questions like, when is the last time you saw Beautiful Blonde get the chair? I don't know. Have they never seen Eileen Wernos? But now that I wrote that out, I'm thinking she, this might have been after that. I don't think so. I feel like it was right around this time. Anyway, oh, I, I digress. Know. Yeah, I digress. Bobby's an ass. Ugh. You guys, you know this <laughs> one's painful for me, right? Because, like, I'm not, I can't, I can't sugarcoat it. Bobby is horrible in this scene. Um, it's... Okay, it's frustrating. We've said this before. We know he can be better. We know that he has a softer side. We know that he can be more compassionate. We know that he has the capability of extending empathy and understanding. And so when he does shit like this, when he grabs Shelly's wrist and says, Bobby's in charge, it's like, no, dude, come on. Like, this is this is you regressing and we know you can be better. So it's even worse when you do this now after we've seen all of the other good sides of you, you know? Like, I think I have something for this scene with Bobby. Trash flag! Yes. 100 fucking percent. And it's such a, it's so devastating for me. Yeah. Just like, thoughts and prayers, guys. Send them my way, please. Uh, you can see my screen name is Matt at Bobby. <laughs> yeah, Um, I knew that this was going to be tough for you. So that's why I went a little lighthearted on it and just tagged it <laughs> on to the end of the other thing. No, 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 no. When Bobby is a shithead, he deserves to be shit on. Like, it. there's no oh, two yeah. ways about it. Like I said, we can't sugarcoat it. The interesting part, though, is like, as usual, Bobby's not wrong. Like, he is on to something with this whole, like, beautiful people conspiracy. Like, that is a thing. Oh. That is just a thing. But it's the way that he goes about telling Shelly about this. It's the way that he goes about presenting this information that is all kinds of wrong. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, you're right. He's not wrong in what he's saying, but he just lacks any kind of cooth about himself, too. Oof. Well, he's a kid. Like, that's what I kept trying to tell myself, though. I was like, my God, he's a kid. Like, he hasn't technically has not graduated high school. Like... I know, I know. And I do try to think about that often as well. But again, we've seen him in this better light. We've seen him do better. So I don't know. Yeah, no, for sure. But I mean, when he has the moments of him being like this, I have to keep telling myself, all right, he is just a kid that's really supposed to be in school, but not going. But he's also not graduated yet. Okay, so it's just like, you know, man, man, baby child syndrome or whatever. So, um. Lana. Oh, goodness. Not the sex talk. Uh, Anyway, she wants to win the pageant. Lana Banana. That's like literally all I could muster out of the scene. I mean, I was going to say, do you want to just put a half-assed talk about it? (gasps) Oh, yes. Can we throw in a little half-assed talk about here? Mm -hmm. Yes, Tyler, we can throw in a half-assed talk about it on this Mm -hmm. one. So, Like, literally, I think you said all that needs to be said. She wants to rig the contest. Done. Okay, and I'm sorry. Listen, I, I definitely don't have a problem with sexuality, or I mean, and I mean, like, you know, people having a very involved sex life. I'm that's great. However, I just don't want to hear that Dwayne's been boning her nonstop for so many days, especially after Dougie. 
did the same and died. It's just like, it's just in poor taste, Dwayne. Let's get it together, okay? You're the mayor, okay? You're the mayor of Twin Peaks. I expect better behavior. Correct, yes. Coop needs to refuel and also procure a date for a nature study. He's all rainbows until Shelley recites the poem from Wyndham. Um, the main thing I wanted to really point out, though, here is I've loved the music. I don't think I've ever actually noticed this or taken note of it. It's probably happened so many times. But I love how it's just that very cheery, like, boppy music when it's Cooper and Annie. But as soon as we talk about the poem and Wyndham, we get the dark music. Yeah. But what I noticed this time around is that it's not, it. it's overlapping the cheery music like there's not a I noticed that it didn't like fade out from that because it faded because you got the cheery music after that you know when he was telling her I'll see you at four or whatever I just noticed that it was literally the track was laid on top of the cheery and I was like this is very interesting because it's like you know saying like two um feelings or states of mind can exist at one time you know you're very happy and and you're excited but then you have a moment of doom and dread you know so i found that interesting i love that i didn't notice but i'm definitely i'd sometimes say oh i'll go back and look but i'm actually gonna go back and check that out (laughs) like that's really great i love that yeah Dale, I have to call him Dale right now because he's being corny. He's being so corny. <laughs> would would you accompany me on a nature study? It's adorable, though. Like, I feel like it's the perfect way to approach somebody that has been in a convent for a number of years. Like, it, it's, a, it's a date, but saying it's a nature study, I think it's kind of super cute, but I still can't help but feel that it's just so corny. I mean... The corny works for her. Uh, the comment about the tingling sensations... I love it. I wonder if it was too forward for Annie, although she is, she does seem to like his quirks a lot. So, yeah. 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 They are so on the same wavelength. Like, it, yes. yeah. It's, it, so, whatever he's doing, like, even when we talked last time about the penguin, uh, joke yeah like she we were just oh but it was she was all over it like you know and I was like okay but this is you know like flies on shit as my grandmother used to say like she was all over it like flies on shit and so I was like well (laughs) this is appropriate at this time so because that was a shitty joke (laughs) like really shitty oh bless Um, it why does Shelly say the line of the poem in this moment though like that's really confusing to me I mean was she saying it I don't know. That is a very good question because I thought the same thing. And I thought, is this because I know Bobby pops over and has that moment with her. But even the line that she chose, like it doesn't seem to really like I can't find a connection to what she might be feeling in that moment by Bobby popping back over and being like, well, anyway, here's the pageant information. Catch you later, you know, because it wasn't it just didn't translate for me like that. So I don't know. No, I mean, unless she was at that time thinking that it was from some sort of like secret admirer and she was <laughs> probably like listfully about something better for herself. I don't know. But it just it, it did feel a little like, OK, we have to figure out how Cooper is going to hear about this poem. So it was a little forced for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Listen, Harry isn't in the mood for lit class, okay? He just needs to know what's up with the note. Cooper sent the poem to Caroline once upon a time. 
Briggs is in the conference room and Coop needs Leo's arrest report. Harry is so simple. <laughs> like, okay, he had me cracking up because, I mean, he's very wholesome. I love him. It was great to see him break free from that persona in uh, episode 17. But it's just the way that he holds that one piece of paper and reads the cutoff poem as if he's going to get anything from that, as if he's going to understand it. And then Coop proceeds to actually recite part of the poem. And he just has this like goofy little smile on his face like, oh, Coop, that's really sweet. But he, it's like, come back to reality, Harry. Like, we're talking about Wyndham Earl here. Like, it's a lot more serious than this pretty little poem. I don't know. He's just, it's just simple, Harry. He's, he's simple. Back. Hey, mm-hmm. yeah. No, he's back. Yeah. Hey, putting the stool together, Harry, is back. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> guess, guess who's back? <laughs> back again. Um, yeah, exactly. I know that he needs to, okay, I'm probably going to get, I, you know what? Fuck it, I'm going to say it. I'm st- it's still hard for me, and I know we don't really know how long Harry and Josie were actually seeing each other because, you know, obviously this has only been about a month we've deduced or deducted. I always get that wrong, but whatever. <laughs> you know, from the time tracker and everything. Um, So, yeah, they had to have had something going on before Cooper showed up in a town and everything. Right. It is just very hard, and I know I, I should be the last person to dictate anyone's grief, but... When it comes to the seriousness of, uh, I think, law enforcement and police business and Wyndham Earl, I I just feel like he should try to be a little more present. And then he can have moments like later with Catherine and things like that. You know, like that. That's fine. Hmm. I just would like to see him be a little more present about the very serious things that are happening, which is that a stalker is after three ladies of Twin Peaks, you know? Yeah, that's fair. Listen, it's Garland's help with the rendering for me. Okay, it's the way that Andy is drawing that. And he was like, sir, I do, but I do <laughs> think that you mean the line to be going the other way. Yeah. Just should uh, have had him draw it instead. <laughs> Cooper brings Garland up to date and Garland tells him he's lost clearance, but there's a workaround to getting this information. And oh, for fuck's sake, the owls are back at it. Back at it in full force. I mean... This owl is relentless. I don't know if anyone has ever heard about the staircase murder or death. Um, Like, I didn't watch the series, but I know somehow there's an owl involved. I want to tell you all exactly. I'm not going to. OK, I'm going to give you a very shortened version of it. But before okay. Netflix came out with that little like mini series they did on it. Uh, Scott and I had actually seen it on like a dateline. <laughs> okay. When we yeah. lived in Texas. I have to tell you though, the fact that this man said an owl came in and essentially ripped the scalp off of his wife, for, for causing her to fall down the stairs. Like, we shouldn't laugh at it, but we didn't do anything but send texts to each other saying the owl was last spotted, like, at a truck stop in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> and we, like, we drew, like, stupid, like, um, mug shots of the owl in question because oh it was God. just, like... But I'm going to tell you, well, I'm, because I'm going it, to... It can, like, that is the worst. It's a terrible but I'm gonna, excuse. 
I don't know. I'm fixing to recount it because these fucking owls that are in yeah. Twin Peaks, I was like, they will rip your scalp this off. This is so why perhaps. I hesitated while I was saying it because I was like, okay, well, <laughs> owls are kind of shady motherfuckers. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just was like, well, actually, this one might have just migrated for a little while. So North Carolina is where this happened. But anyway, yeah, no. But that every time I see that owl acting a fucking fool on my screen, all I can think of is... He was last seen at the truck stop with a hat, you know, and like dark glasses. Have you seen this owl? Yeah. Have you seen this owl? (laughs) Oh, my God. But the way the owl comes back in is so cool. It's like Major Briggs goes into almost like a trance-like state as he zooms zooms in on the, the fire imagery on the map. Like, okay, so how does it go? I wrote it down. He focuses in on the fire. Then it's like the hooded figure. And I love how the darkness of the hooded figure makes way for like that space that we saw back in episode 13 as well. Interesting. Okay, so I wonder if they shot some of this while they were also shooting bits of 13. That seems like such a widespread, but Major Briggs was also in the conference room in that episode, right? So... Yeah. Hmm. Or it could be these timelines that I keep talking about that are like... I I thought for sure I had picked up on these timelines the first time around in season two because I was like, something? Yeah, like, I just don't... They, they just don't feel like mistakes. I just don't see David Lynch or Mark Frost or anyone like making these kinds of mistakes it doesn't feel right to me so it's almost like is this a a weird loop in the timeline or something I don't know and that could be a stretch but it just like these moments like this though my first time around I was like I feel like there's an alternate reality going on here or something well and there's another moment later at the Hayward house that reminded me of you and your timeline theory which I'm very excited to get to. It's one of my favorite parts. Yay! But yeah, so like the hooded figure, the darkness that makes way for space, and then here comes the fucking owl. And then all of a sudden, because of the owl, we're like engulfed in all of these flames. It was such a cool sequence. Like capital K-O-O-L, cool. It was so much fun. (laughs) Not the cool cigarette. That's right. Yes. (laughs) I don't know if y'all have those up there, but I mean, like, like they would be in the bin at the gas station for like markdown, and like everybody that you know, like in high school that smoked underage would be like get the cools out of the, you know, discounted bin because they rarely ID for those. (laughs) Oh my god, (laughs) cools! Why would they ID you for those ones? Like it's still the same thing. Listen. It was the South, honey. There's no explanation for a lot of things <laughs> that happens there. Uh, Dick visits Ben sporting a fresh injury. It's the ferret pin on Ben's jacket lapel for me, as if to almost say, fuck you, Dick. I'm on the ferret side. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so big, eh? It's huge. I'm like half-ass talk about it, honestly. But I love it because... We are looking at a massive injury to Dick's nose, and that ferret could not look more innocent in that pen. It, it is, I mean, it is just like that's a great. Don't hate on me. Yeah. Don't hate on me because you somebody let me go in that. Like this is what I do. <laughs> Wyndham is a Susie homemaker. This man can do anything. He's a storyteller, chef, crafter. Oh, oops. 
Shot through the heart And you're to blame Wyndham gives love A bad name Bad name Listen I love the scene though Ugh. It's the paper mache It's ever. He has on an apron It's <laughs> It is everything It is the fact that Leo drops a beer bottle And it does not break just I can't like this is perfection on so many levels and I'm serious it was like Rosie uh Rivera or I think I probably got that wrong but the the, Riveter yes the Riveter yeah you can do it you know and I was like that should be Wyndham his face should be on that poster because he's got he's got the apron he's got the bandana (laughs) I mean he has got an outfit for every occasion He is just, yeah, I love this character so much. I'm having so much fun with him. And he, I mean, we already talked about this in this episode, but he is the tonal shifting. He is the tonal shifting of Twin Peaks personified. I can laugh with him. I can be terrified of him. Uh, I mean, I guess I haven't quite been like sad for him at all yet. But anyways, like he's just, yeah, he contains these multitudes that are just so much fun to watch and he gets the best dialogue too like you have lived your short life in odium and obscurity what a great line <laughs> i'm like what a way to tell somebody you do not matter exactly <laughs> it's such a nice way of saying that yeah and from Wyndham of all people yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> And I love when he's like, uh, oh, drink up, my friend. We're celebrating. He's like, we're we celebrating. I can't even move my arms. Like, this guy is so dopey and stupid. I love him so much. I do, too. But I'm just like, what is has he gotten into? Mm-hmm. <laughs> peyote? I don't know what is going on here. <laughs> well, he hasn't had enough beer, clearly. And the way that Leo was feeding him the beer was just yet another fantastic moment in this scene. I mean, ugh. Like, Wyndham is so terrifyingly unhinged. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, he's nuts. Yeah, He's nuts. He truly, truly is. Personally, I think Dwayne needs to enter the pageant and get a new hearing aid. Uh, Anyway, Ben wants Miss Twin Peaks to be a classier event, not just body yaddy 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 (laughs) yaddy. He wants the mind to be celebrated, too. Pete sees right through this speech. You gotta love a snarky Pete. The gals chit-chat while Bobby busts Mike's balls about Nadine. Well, first of all, I am Dwayne in this scene because I'm like, okay, Ben, what are you selling? Let's hear it. Like, just get to brass tacks, please. I'm over it. But his idea does sort of fall in line and is of a piece with, like, all of the nature themes that are in this episode, all of the sort of nature things that are becoming that central focus, like I was talking about. So it works. Yeah. But I I was like, yes, Dwayne, you are me. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, And I, you know, this makes me uh wonder, does Pete know that Ben and Catherine had an affair? Like, because just the I way that he... So. Just the way that he's like, oh, God, you know, just it's it's just dripping off of well, him. I'm trying to think back to when Ben was still in jail and he kind of needed Catherine's testimony, oh, I guess you would. Yeah, yeah. sure. Like or, I was uh, with alibi. him. The alibi because I was with him, you know, the night of Laura Palmer's death or whatever. 
And doesn't Pete, like, remember when Pete brings in the boom box and he's, like, so excited to be delivering the tape? (laughs) I feel like there's something in there about, you know, them being together that night or whatever. Like, for some reason, I think we did talk about this. And I, I think we were like, Pete is a prince because he must know that all of this happened between Catherine and Ben. And yet he's just so thrilled to see his wife is alive and okay. That's true. That's true. And I mean, well, I guess Pete, I guess maybe he had a little something with Josie. I don't know. Listen, this is when we start trying to pull and it's too webbed for me. It's Mm. too webbed for me. But I'm going to tell you right now, though, Mike. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. I got to do a double one. Hold on. <laughs> this, this. <laughs> I love the way the dating comes in. She's just got that look on her face. I love the fact that Mike is still, for some reason, dressed like a door-to-door salesman. I, I, I mean, I guess it did. And well, in the fedora, too. I was like, dude, you're in. Okay. I mean, all right. But. You know, when Bobby tries to come and bust his balls about Nadine, the way he is just like, well, young man, let me school you on the real on the realness of a mature woman. (laughs) But not just that, the reaction from Bobby and then also the smoldering look from Nadine. I was like, I cannot. This is amazing. I watched it like seven times in a row. I just kept rewind, rewind, give it to me. Okay, well, since you watched it so many times, what does Bobby do after he screams? Does he like, like I hear him insert a coin into something. Is he playing like pinball? Pinball. Okay. Yes. Okay. That is definitely what he's doing. Because it also... I mean, I don't know if this was meant to be some kind of innuendo, but it does seem like he got real hot and bothered and had to, like, go finish himself off, essentially. Like, well, it's just, it's the reaction for me. I, I mean, it was a, that was a, a flat woo! scream of, hot. what is it that, again, Nadine, share your secrets, girl. Well, listen. Why are you keeping them? Forget what did Lara whisper to Coop. The new <laughs> mystery that I need to know is what did Mike whisper to Bobby? What made well, we Bobby have know. that reaction? Because that's going on a t-shirt. <laughs> what oh my God, Mike whispered to Bobby. Yes, yes. I love that. <laughs> I have to because see Because I got to tell you, as we panned away from the table with Nadine, Shelly, and Donna, I was kind of like, oh, I, I would rather stay with them. I kind of want to know what they're talking about. Like, that's an interesting group of ladies that I want to kind of hang out with and see, you know, what's going on. But it was all worth it for Mike's attitude, Bobby's reaction, the weird pinball thing. It was great. Oh, man. What a wonderful scene for real. Yeah. Oh, I also have a note here that says, not the cookie monster eyes. Now, I don't know if this is what it looked like for you. But when it started, like, having that fade into Wyndham, (laughs) I I don't know what it was. What was that? It was a big round cut scene. What is that? Because they were big, round, white ovals with little black circles. I don't know what it was, but oh, all I could think of was... it's the flashlights. Okay. All right. Well, those flashlights look like Cookie Monster's eyes to yep. me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait a minute. Wyndham is the Cookie Monster. Yes, and I think after C is for Cookie, I mean... We figured it out. Yeah. Harry meets with Catherine and asks why Josie was the way that she is. Why are you the way that you are? 
is Catherine being authentic or is she just catherine Oh, let's see if Harry can crack the code on the box. Butterfingers Martell seem to make one good move, I see. And Jasmine, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but we got to go. We got to roll back to Harry being so simple. Yeah, again. Um, I know. She was so very beautiful. That is, that is not why Catherine can't be mad at her. First of all, correct. Kath might just be Catherine in this scene because we know just we know Kath's going to Kath, right? Yeah. But also no. like her being beautiful would not be the reason that Catherine finds it difficult to be mad at her or to hate her. But Harry that is not was a just reason. like not listening. That is not a reason to excuse anyone's vile behavior. No. But especially for Catherine. Like, I don't think but, she right. could give a shit. I, I don't think this no. would be on her radar at all. Like, she she might not even know what Josie looks like, to be quite honest. Like, I don't I, think that's listen. what she picks up with people. <laughs> she might have been struggling to even recall who Josie was in that moment. Like, like who? Honestly. Are we still talking about her? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then <laughs> when Pete drops the box, that is so perfect. Love your screen name this week, Mel's Butterfingers Bells. It's great. <laughs> um, but that's another thing that I think should be in the Catherine Supercut is the Butterfingers line. It's so well executed. Okay. Butterfingers! This box. It makes yes. me laugh. It makes me okay. confused. It makes me think that I missed something in my Astro Studies class because it makes no sense. What I will say is that the moon phases are correct. Like even okay. the, because um, I I always have trouble remembering like, okay, when the moon is waxing, what side is the light on? And then when it's waning, what side is the light on? Anyways, I looked it up. I double checked. I did some cross-referencing. The moon phases are correct. It's all there. But okay. there's only eight moon phases and there are 12 zodiac signs. So they do not match up in any way with, your 12 zodiac signs and eight moon phases, that's not possible. What we have is a mishmashing of signs and then one glyph that seems to just be a bear paw. I'm very confused about that one. So we've got um, Aries, Sagittarius, Taurus, Gemini, Libra, Pisces, Cancer, and then just a bear paw. I'm so confused by that one. Like it does slightly resemble the symbol for the south node, but there's too many circles. Like, there would only be two circles, not four. Hmm. So that doesn't work. And I was a little disappointed because there are seven traditional planets. So you could have done that and then added, like, a symbol for Earth. And it would have been all just such a nice piece. But, like, I sat with this for a while and I looked and I was like, okay, why these fire signs? Why these air signs? Why why this combination? But it makes no sense. There's no no connection. No. No, nonsensical. It's somebody who liked certain uh, astrological (laughs) glyphs and was like, let me just do this. And then this last one, um, bear paw. No, just throw it in there. Why not? I know zero about it. I mean, listen, I I try to um, educate myself about it because I find it very fast. I really do find it very fascinating. Um, So I knew that they were obviously moon phases. Like that was easy for me to pick through. And then I, uh, the only other thing I caught was my own astrological sign. And I was like, yeah. oh, there I am. And then I was like, <laughs> uh-oh, am I cursed? Like, what is this? Because that's also what I have tattooed on my lower back. So I was like, oh, God, am I from the Black Lodge? 
What is going on? Oh, that's right. You have your astro symbol. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I feel yeah. like that conversation will feature in an outtakes episode at some point. I think so. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Stay it's tuned. a listen, I'm a zennial people. I can't help what I did in the past. Okay. Yeah. Things happened. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> I think so many people got that same kind of thing. You're not alone. Yeah. I mean, no, I went with a girlfriend who got hers in the same spot. So, yeah, exactly. This was there a joint go. effort. <laughs> yeah. I, I am excited, though, by the idea that maybe there is some kind of connection between this box and the map. Because the Owl Cave map does have, like, the glyphs for, I believe, all of the planets. I would have to double check. Right. I didn't look that closely this time around. But I know for sure that I saw Saturn, Jupiter, and maybe Mercury. Uh, just from Andy's drawing. But yeah, like I said, swing, swing, swing for me. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I mean, it was a swing for me, too, even though I am not as versed as you are in it. But I was just like, oh, I cannot wait to get the 411 on this. <sighs> I right? wish I had more info, like something more insightful. But it's really just a mishmashing of signs. But I love that because that does add some mystery because you, you would have to assume that yeah. someone who is familiar with with this is going to watch the show and is going to really wonder what it means because it doesn't make like sense in the literal, like when you look at it the way that we just talked about, like it doesn't make literal sense, but what else could it mean? Yeah. So just another mystery. Okay. But what would you do if that goose bit you, Annie? All right. Uh, Coop and Annie talk romance for a bit as they swap bad breakup stories, then swap some spit as Wyndham watches. All right, listen, it's the face for me. Um, First of all, I stand by the fact that Annie had no business flicking her fingers around that close to a dot. (laughs) I've been, or a goose. I've been chased. Listen, I grew up thinking that you could feed geese and be okay and then scott and i got literally chased for our lives by a mad rabid one because we had a loaf of bread and i was like i will never do this again so i had immediate ptsd and horror when she had her fingers that close to that and like obviously i mean that the dialogue is fine here i mean you know it's it's whatever but the main thing for me is just the look on wyndham's face as he spies on them it is the dopiest look i have ever seed it's it's i don't it is the uh epitome of that weird drunk crazy emoji face that goes <laughs> like it was that i was like what are you doing <laughs> he is just so pleased in this moment i mean first of all he's just like he's so stoked that he got to do another outfit because this is like fisherman windham right he's so happy that he has found uh coop's new lady like this is obviously the queen now right he sees that coop has a new interest and it just the the reaction on his face is just a combination of him not even knowing what to do with all of that joy and it just comes out so perverted and distorted <laughs> i mean it was great like yeah i just want that photo printed and put on my wall so I can just look at it anytime I want to. Yeah. It was just wonderful. I mean, I I did like that Annie said that she also, or that she always felt so much closer to nature than people. Just more of that, the poem from before coming back into play and it feels almost too perfect that a poem that Cooper would have sent to Carolyn in the past 
would now be something that we hear echoes of within Annie or just like the themes of the poem, right, coming through in this person. And I mean, it's a sweet enough first kiss. It's okay. Like, whatever. I don't know. What did you think about it? Like, well, I mean, obviously the notebook ripped this scene right out of Twin Peaks because I was like, hello, we've seen this in the notebook. Okay. But yeah, you know, I don't like that mushy. I'm just not into that mushy stuff. So Mm. for me, I was like, rather watch Wyndham creep on you from the bushes. Well, yeah. And like it was very, I mean, I I put in my notes, it's very rom-com-y until they get out of the boat and that music kicks in. And then we see that Wyndham is just lingering in the trees. And I love that because it's like, no, no, no. Don't ever for a second think that things are okay and wonderful. And there's all this beautiful splendor happening. Like, absolutely. Oh, I love it. I do. Would also like to say that it's very clearly fall, even though it's March, but. You know, yeah. Well, it was Seasons fall when, uh, yeah. I mean, it was fall when John John and Audrey went on their picnic too. That's so. correct. Yeah, true, true. Dick hosts a wine tasting event, and Andy clearly has no clue what's going on. <laughs> and then I just wrote, I literally can't anymore. That was the end of that. Can we throw in a little half-assed talk about here? Yeah, yeah. Yes, we can, yeah. Tyler. The only thing I want to say is that when Andy explains how there are white wines and sparkling wines. I cried laughing. (laughs) That is one of the funniest things that's ever happened in this show. (laughs) I agree. I do agree. And I was just like, I just cannot. I'm so tired of Dick Tremaine. I just, I don't want to see him ever again. I thought it was also pretty funny how angry he got. He's like, not yet, Andy. Oh, spit it out. God, it's like, the only thing I could focus on, though, during the wine tasting was the man in the front looked like a baby bird gargling mouthwash. I don't know if anybody else caught this. But when he took the sip of the wine, he was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, you're the only per- toad. Is that yes. you? In my notes, it wasn't toad. But this extra, it was his only day on set. And he was just like, this is my shot and I have to shoot it. Let's well, go. Shoot it, he did. (laughs) Shoot it, he did. (sighs) Oh, Gordon delights Shelly with a story as Annie and Coop join them from Pi. I literally die for Lynch in this scene. Bobby interrupts their tender moment. I love David Lynch. Obviously, I love him as Cooper. Yeah, or Cooper, excuse me, as Cole of our, I know. What version is this? Not the one in my head. Uh, I love him as Cole. I've already said that. It is this, it is just the attention to something that if you didn't do it, no one would, I think, even really notice. But just the fact that he's talking normally to Shelly and then yelling at Cooper. Right. And then normal to Shelly. And then, yeah. And I just was like, this is, it is so fantastic. Like, Gordon in season two is just he's not my he's not better than albert to me but i like him just as much so kudos kudos cole and you bringing up the different levels that he's talking at i did notice that when bobby walks in and is like what's this or something like he's not really talking at a volume that people normally talk to gordon and yet gordon can still hear that and still respond so I think we're starting to see some interesting trickery maybe happening from Gordon Mm -hmm. Cole in that moment. But 
I struggled with this scene. I wanted to like it. I mean, you all know I've watched it twice. I watched that scene a couple more times because I was trying to, because like I said last week, I was like, why isn't this gross? Like, usually this would be gross. And we've seen this play out with other younger women on the show and it feels uncomfortable. Why doesn't it feel uncomfortable now? But I think in this episode, to me, it just kind of read like David Lynch just wanted to kiss Maginamic. And oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like, I don't blame him. Like, I would want to as well. But I don't know. I don't know if it fit the story. I don't know. It just didn't. It just doesn't work all that well for me. And I Shelly seems into it. I hope it's not just really good acting on Machin's part. Yeah, and I get, I really do get that. And, you know, yeah, there was an innocence and in, in everything about what we saw in the last episode. Yeah. But what I think is also sort of um, what I love most about it is that it just doesn't fit because we okay. know that Shelly's with Bobby. And I, I mean, like, they're they're not, like, uh, split up or they're not taking a break. They're not... And she's just in the double R, yeah. smooching on Gordon and didn't even care to give him a second one in front of Bobby. And I was like, okay, is this because of what happened earlier? Because then we saw you at the roadhouse right. and it wasn't like you were mad at Bobby during that moment. But then we get to the double R and you're like, oh, really? Well, I'm going to smooch this guy twice and I'm going to let you. It doesn't fit at all because it's out of character for Shelly too. You know what I mean? Like it just, it. It doesn't make sense. The, the more we talk about it, though, I like now I kind of feel like maybe Shelly is doing it for that reason to get back at yeah. Bobby. Like, yeah, she's at the roadhouse, but she is also a woman who's been married to this very abusive man for so long. So I'm sure when Bobby was like, Bobby's in charge, baby, or whatever the fuck this idiot said. She probably was maybe a little bit scared about that and felt like she had to do it. I don't know. So she showed up at the roadhouse. But then later on when she was like, I can maybe get Bobby mad by kissing this old dude. Like, why not? <laughs> but doesn't that just seem so weird, though? I mean, yeah. like, I think that that's I'm pretty sure that's what it's meant to be. Just seems so weird. I don't know. But this is it another still is I, weird. like I yeah. said, it doesn't fit and it's not going to, and it's a fleeting type thing. But I there's just something about it to where I'm like, well, just let her kiss this old grandpa and get it over with. You know? <laughs> I mean, I don't like, even know that he's that much older. It just because we know I that she's older supposed to be like, I know, but we just know that Shelly's supposed to be like 18, 19, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 20. Like so he's definitely much older, but yeah, I don't know. What I am here for, though, is all of the Shelly appreciation, specifically after the earlier scene between, you know, her and Bobby, just showing Shelly all of that love and telling her what her real value is and giving her some confidence. Like, that's great. I'm super here for that part of it. And Bobby definitely needed a reality check. So maybe this is going to snap him out of that. Who gonna check me, boo? Shelly's gonna check you, boo. That's what I say. Lana Banana applies here, too, huh? Lucy's salty, and I'm here for it. Again, I there's not much to go on here. I just purely no more Lana, Lana, however you pronounce it. I'm kind of over that. I know I think, that there's... I think it's oh. Lana. 
Okay. I, I think it's just Dick's accent that he was saying Lana because okay. when she says that she tastes banana, I was like, oh, sweetie, you just rhymed something with your name. Okay, good. I'm glad yeah. I'm not the only person that thought that. Okay, great. So, Lana, um, and yeah, it's supposed to be comedic, I guess, that he, is, he keeps dipping his nose bandage into the Merlot, <laughs> but I just don't care about it. I yeah. don't. I don't even know where the spicy attitude towards Lucy is even coming from. First of all, nothing has transpired for him to be sassy to her anyway. It's just, you know, it's just weird. I mean, it's another scene. Yeah, we're just soaking up some Twin Peaks ambiance. Let's take it when we can get it. I just wish it was with different characters, maybe. I Mm -hmm. think that's the really big issue. And also, I mean... I just, I also don't understand why the wine tasting is happening. At least mm-hmm. the fashion show had the purpose of being Ben's big gala for the ferret weasel, right? But this wine tasting seems to come out of nowhere. And yeah, why is Lucy even there? Like, why is she taking part in this? I mean, it's and great she's not that sitting she sits down. in Dick's face and says, I'm not supposed to drink, I'm pregnant. But why in the first place is this happening? Well, it's odd because are her and Lana supposed to be like um, right servers or something? Because they're not sitting down. They're not. It's well, just and weird. They're, they seem to be in competition all of a sudden somehow. Yeah, that's which I like, am so bored by. Yeah, yeah. Odd, 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 odd. John John joins Coop for a chug of milk and gets schooled on the Hindu ways when he is suddenly told that he's got a split baby. Was so glad that you remembered John John because I like I thought of it during the episode and I like wrote it on every page to just be like, remember John John. Do not forget John John. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just fits for him. It does. This Uh, is an interesting conversation to me. I feel like a conversation about love is so often reserved for two women or for two people in a kind of romantic pairing, let's say. We don't often see two straight men talking about love like this. And they're being very dramatic about it. Like, love is hell. We're getting hit by 18 wheelers. Oh, somebody's prying at my heart with a crowbar. And it's like, yeah, it's a good conversation. If for no other reason, than it's like subverting expectations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Donna spares no time questioning Eileen about Ben. But she does stall on passing the peas at least the second time around, that is, because she clearly (laughs) passed the peas the first time, but not the second. (laughs) What? I mean, she does pass them twice. So the scene starts with her being asked to pass the peas. Right. And she passes the peas. Then I feel like it's written as though Eileen is like flustered by the questioning and just asks for the peas again by mistake, by accident, whatever. But this is so weird. And in my notes, in just all caps, Donna, please pass your mother the peas. How well, much peas just, can one woman eat? <laughs> well, that's the thing is that it's not just that. It's also that she scooped more peas onto her plate. Mm-hmm. I so said it's if, not, yeah, I rewinded a few times because I was like, let me make sure. Like, did she, did she get, not get the peas the first time and then put, but no, she scooped them 
on her plate twice. It's like raisin bran, but peas. <laughs> Two scoops of raisins in every bowl. Well, I guess why I had to give it the horror sound, because I was like, not this. Well, it, I said, if we see a, a shot of her plate, it better all be peas. It, it's got to be. And one piece of ham or or beef stroganoff, whatever that was. I, don't I know. just I loved it. I watched that scene a couple times as well because I was like, do we think she flubbed her line and accidentally said peas again? Like maybe it was a pass the carrots that she was supposed to say or something, but she said peas again. I don't know. In the scripts I looked up, it said peas twice. So it's it's like she was flustered by Donna's questioning, but it's just uh, to me that was so funny. I mean, that was up there with Andy explaining the different types of wines. Just this woman needing her peas again. It's like she didn't get enough the first time. She needs more peas. And I love peas, so I just feel like, you know, a woman after my own heart. But, yeah. She needs the nourishment. It was was so weird. Uh, Also, what's weird, where are Gersten and Harriet? Like, where are Donna's sisters? (laughs) Thank you. I literally have. Did you forget about your other two children? They were like, oh, no, peas are on the menu. I can't handle mom's pea fetish. I'm not coming to dinner tonight. (laughs) What is going on? I was like, way to forget about the entire family in this scene. It's so weird. They obviously just weren't. They weren't on contract or whatever. You know, like they weren't going to get paid for that episode. But, oh, man. (laughs) Aside from the peas, Donna is being so sassy with her parents. And I'm pretty much here for it. Like, Well, after the weirdness when she saw Ben at the roadhouse, I mean, it's like she's not she's part of the Scooby-Doo gang or whatever. I mean, like she's going to she's got a new mystery to solve and she's going to do it. That's true. Um, The last one didn't work out that well. So she's hoping she does better this time. Uh, It's a little bit more in her wheelhouse because apparently it has something to do with her own family. So hopefully that's easier for her. (laughs) But yeah, I just was like, uh, you know. Yeah, the disrespect. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm here to tell you that if I had done that to my mom or dad, those peas would have been on the floor. Okay, <laughs> like they would have been like, get Ugh. the hell out of here. Well, and it's like we talked about before, though. Like Doc has already expressed, like, drop it, stop doing it. Yeah, like he got it, mad I, last episode. Yeah, and now she's like, uh, fuck it, I'll just go straight for the kill with my mom, and it's. I don't like to see it, too, though, because it's like, you know, whatever has transpired. I don't like I don't know how to explain this. It's like, all right, if if your dad is like, drop it. I don't know. Like, we don't know the context of what happened. And maybe it's something you don't want to know and just let it go. But then you just go straight to her, you know? I mean, she's a teenager, though, and she feels like she is entitled to know these things because it's happening to her family. I mean... Maybe it's because I can remember. I mean, this situation never happened to me. But I mean, I just remember being a teenage girl and being like, no, no, no. I am entitled to all of these things. Like, if that's a thing that you guys know, I get to know that, too. Like, that's my business. You know what I mean? I've been there. Um, I love the way she's just like, that must be it. The charity sent mom roses. (laughs) Oh, my God. Listen, I'm not ready for the teenage years, okay? (laughs) Mm -mm. Not ready for teenage years. Watch. (laughs) <laughs> I've already got a James. Like, I just don't need him to be also acting like Donna, so. <laughs> <laughs> There's a box at the gazebo. It's Wyndham's latest move, and oh, no, dude. That's not cool <laughs> at all. 
I don't appreciate practical jokes. Listen, this had me. I I it's know the look on that his is scary. Face. Yes, I mean, first of all, let's okay. Let's just talk about this in its entirety because I kind of wanted to just do this in one big thing at the end here. He gets shot by an arrow. Yeah, through a paper mache contraption. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not clear where, although for at first I thought it was in the lower extremities, as in like the leg or something. Oh. The way that he dies, though, with the and then just the blood coming out. And now we have him propped up in a chest piece. I was just like a foolish ending for a foolish person, I suppose. (laughs) But (laughs) yes, that's true. Okay, wait. But in that scene, didn't you sing shot to the heart? I did because I yeah. think he was. I really think he, he was. Has to I have think been he was shot directly in the heart. Yes, like yeah. I think that that's it. But at the first time, because I had rewinded a few times, because the first time around, I was like, "Wait a minute, he's dead. He just got shot in the leg." Like it's right. just, I needed a more accurate like portrayal. Like I needed to see where the paper mache was at at that moment. Like where the sculpture was yes. at. Yes, it's how also many just layers because that could right. be really thick. How is that arrow getting through? We know that Leo had been crafting the arrows a couple of episodes <laughs> ago when we were, you know, talking about his beautiful ponytail. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like during that scene when he's shot, like I thought it was great in a kind of uh, old school horror or even B movie kind of way. And I think both you and I like were into slashers. So we're kind of okay with more blood violence, like, You know, in Scream, we see people stabbed multiple times, like just over and over, same spot, a lot of blood. This was not going to be that kind of kill. But I think sometimes when I'm watching something like this, I'm like, well, where's I want something more precise because I'm used to things like that. So I'm like, okay, where was he hit? Is this a major artery? How much blood was there? What is even going on? Um, But it. It's lack of anything like that is what made it feel like that old school horror that I really enjoyed. But you're right. It, I mean, it, it leaves a little to be desired, I, I think, in terms of like, OK, what actually happened? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole thing. Also, though, ABC, I mean, though. So, uh, yes. you know, like there's only so much that they could do. Stay tuned yeah, for the no, return right. on Showtime. Then you get the real, the real, real. Okay. No, you're right. And I love it though. I just, it's, it's, it's over the top camp. I don't think it's meant to be, but it is, you know what I mean? And I love that. Um, And I just, this also looks like the way, like the way that his face looks at the end. It also just looks like um, when Jason Voorhees is just ripped the head off of a counselor at Camp Crystal Lake and their face is just stuck in that, uh, you know what I mean? Like, Because they're also, I think they're probably a little bit drunk and a little bit stoned when they've been killed, so they're a little whacked out. Yeah. (laughs) It was just, uh, yeah, but I was like, that is not cool. I'm sure if he could say it, he would say that to you, Mr. Earl. cool, man. But, (laughs) I mean, the rest of the scene is so good, though. Like, the opening, the half moon, we get the hooded figure again, and then the owl coming through. Those little sequences are just so awesome. I love to see them in this episode. Yeah, um, for sure. And Cooper, 
I mean, this line, leaving us to unravel an insane man's terrifying caprice. Well, I learned a new word today, which is caprice. And I forget what it means now. So I'll just put it in the show notes or something. Or I mean, I could well, Google it, but, you know, we don't Google on this. We don't Google. So, well, all I could think of was the old car of a caprice. And I was like, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Chevrolet Caprice, I think, or Pontiac Caprice got to do with this or whatever they are. Oh, so I think I actually I think it's a sudden change in mood. Like I think one of the synonyms was also whimsy or something. Anyways, oh. it's a cute word. I loved <laughs> Coop using this word. I loved how fast he was thinking on his feet. Coop is a total hunk in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Whole what package. a man. What a, what a coop, what a coop, what a coop, what a mighty fine coop. Say it again now. Oh, but this yeah. is good. I love but, the way they get this thing open. Uh, how they got it there is a mystery. Yep. Um, how they got it there. Uh, but again, Airlift. another. <laughs> <laughs> did Leo carry it on his back? That's I all mean, I can think of. He's like a. Oh, my gosh. What's the Grinch's dog's name? Max. Max. He's like, <laughs> poor Max. I know. He should just have antlers on his head at this Aww. point. But another, like, just fantastic ending to, yeah. uh, to a an episode, though, because I, even though he looked goofy, it's just the yeah. horror that this man killed someone, stuck them in a paper mache chest piece, then wrapped it in a box, and then just left it in a gazebo. It's, yep. it's methodic um, serial killing type, you know, things, and it's it's just great. I love it. So It's it's like I said before, he, Wyndham is terrifying and unhinged. Yeah. Like, he will do things that you would not expect. <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's killing people. It's things that you wouldn't expect <laughs> right, people to right. do, but he's doing them in these, like, grand and theatric ways that I think that's what Cooper means. It's like, why is he doing any of this? We don't know. We are here to s- try to start unraveling why he is doing these things. But yeah. um, And then the note, too. Like, next time it'll be somebody you know. I've given Ugh. you, I gave you the vagrant. I gave you this guy. These were pawns. But the next, like, it's not going to be a pawn next time. So... That just gives me the chills, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So good. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so grateful if you would rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. We'll take any stars, but we would prefer five. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Also, if you are interested in the uh, bonus video content and any other goodies, you can head on over to patreon.com slash TV. Check out the tiers we've got. We've got some great things going on over there. So, um, yeah, if you're interested to watch us actually talk about this, too, then uh, your wish is our command. Just right on over there. Yes. And as Mills mentioned earlier on in the episode, this is one of our video podcasts. So you could be watching instead of listening right now. Um, But if you're not ready to join the Patreon, there's always Instagram and Twitter. You can come hang out with us at Damn Fine TV. Don't get mad if we don't respond quickly on Twitter. We're very rarely over there, but we are definitely hanging out on Instagram. So come hang out there. And I, I should say we're even probably more active on the Discord, which is connected to our Patreon. So just yeah. another way to hang the dis- out. The Discord is so much fun. I so love much it. Fun. Oh, yes. gosh. Yeah. And then you can find me on Instagram at Superficial Mel's and... And me at Damn Fine Witch. Yeah. All right. Well, anybody that's not coming to the spoiler section, we will see you for episode 20. 
Bye bye. Oh, Josie. Oh, stop your incessant moping. Give me a hand with this damn box. What exactly would you like me to do? Open it. I've been trying for days. Thomas Eckert left this to me when he died, and I want it open. I want it open now. Well, let's have a look-see. Do you have a key? If I had a key, it would be open, don't you think? And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. I did pick any, like, connections or anything up, but the only thing, honestly, that I can think of from here on out is just Wyndham in that horse costume. I know it's coming. (laughs) I I personally can't wait for it, but hi. And then, obviously, the things that are going to happen with Major Briggs. Like, that's what I was saying earlier, where I was like, oh, I'm just not ready for these certain things, but... I definitely am here for um, Wyndham in the horse costume and Leo. Obviously, we're these actually this is a connection because I think we said in season one, under every ponytail is a horse's ass, and I'm fairly (laughs) certain that Leo has to be the ass end of that horse that's coming up. So I cannot wait to verify that information. So I have been thinking about Major Briggs and the horse for so long because when we covered these episodes like we did these in chunks last year and I named one of the episodes Major Briggs meets a horse because when we were covering uh I guess the final chunk of episodes you brought up like okay (laughs) Major Briggs meets a horse oh my god I can't even because it was so funny to me because for whatever reason I on that watch I like I don't know what I was doing, but I remember not even realizing that that was happening. And then when you brought it up, it caught me so off guard and I I lost (laughs) it. And that was before we were on video while we podcasted with one another. Like we used to just do like audio Skype call and I was crying laughing. And I remember thinking like, okay, this is good because like I'm not ready for Mel's to to see me like this. Like. But that was such a funny moment. So yes, I've been thinking about this horse costume, uh, the the ponytail or every under every ponytail is a horse's ass. But also, our um our new way of looking at Wyndham as this like costume master and this guy that hits up Party City all the time. I mean, yeah, that's gonna be great. You know, in an updated version of this, he would just be in that inflatable dinosaur suit that you usually see people in around yeah. this time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean, that's really all, I, except that there is, this is probably so trivial, but when Pete does come in, um, when Catherine and Harry are trying to figure that box out. He does say, wow, Bob, wow. Yeah, he says, like, um, I don't think it's wow, Bob, wow, but it's, like, wowsy Bob or, like, it's so yeah, something close like that. to it. Yeah. I know. And I just was, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I just was, like, oh, my gosh, not the wow, Bob, wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I only have one thing, but. Okay. And it's basically just that I want to rewrite an ending of season two. Actually, I want to rewrite a story just specifically for Annie Blackburn where she never meets Cooper and never has to suffer the fate that she is about to suffer because something about this conversation in the boat, her talking about 
I had this boyfriend in high school. That's what, you know, it's heavily implied that that's what caused her to do the self-harm. That's what put her, not put her, but like mm, convinced her that her next move was going into a convent. Now she's out of the convent for the first time. She's meeting this man who has the best intentions, but who is unfortunately wrapped up in such a mess. And she's about to get herself caught in this web. And I just feel already so sad for her. And I, uh, it's just, I mean, I know that the writers are doing this on purpose, but the connection with the poem and her feeling so much closer to nature, it's like she was specifically created to fill this role for Wyndham and for Cooper. And it's just really sad. It is. No, you're right. I mean, that's obviously another one of those things that I'm, I'm just really sad to experience again. Like, I think that I'm, I'm going to have a lot of fun when we talk about like the, the pageant and things like that. But I mean, it's not long after that, that all of this starts happening with Annie and it's just like, Oh, I, it's very sad. You're yeah. right. Because especially after they're talking the boat and I mean, just her saying, you know, she doesn't want to go through that again. And you just, even if you haven't seen it, you just it's still have, there's a lot of heavy implication there that something is going to go awry with this. So, well, specifically because of the music that we get and yeah. then Wyndham creeping in the trees. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. if you're listening for that audio cue or even the visual cue of Wyndham being there, I mean, it's kind of laid out for you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think the first time around, I thought maybe he, he would get Cooper instead, you know, like something else would happen. But yeah. because I, I didn't really understand the dynamic of it's not going to be a happy t- or like it's not going right. to wrap up in some yeah. kind of way, you know. And so when it does wrap up the way it does with Annie, you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, well, and it's just like the we, convent. Yeah. I mean, it's even the way or what we talked about last week, the week before. No, it must have been last week with the cards like. Wyndham's whole thing, I mean, yes, he's looking for the Black Lodge, but his whole thing is that he's doing an eye for an eye with Coop. Like, he lost a love. He wants Cooper to lose a love. And I don't think he had it before with Shelly, Donna, or Audrey, but he's got the right target now. Yeah. Oh, he knows now. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Mm, I hate it. (laughs) Yeah, but that's all I've got. Nothing felt... I mean, I feel like we're going to have spoilers galore coming up in... The final three episodes, but oh, for sure, yeah. Well, if that's all for this week, we've got quite a large package to deliver. Uh, yeah. How are we supposed to get that thing out of the cabin and into the gazebo? Leo, fetch me an arrow. Whoa, hey man, I don't appreciate practical jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. Swear on Satan, I'll do that. Uh, That's my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) And if you're watching TV. I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) 